like to uh, ask you to take your Bible and turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. The message this morning is entitled, Blessed Assurance. Got it? Uh, we just sang the song, Blessed Assurance, and many of us just uh, have grown up in the church. Not necessarily all of us, but many of us have. And we just get it uh, into our heads, that song, and we can sing that song without the words. And we understand that phrase, blessed assurance. It's about having assurance in your what? In your, in your Christian life regarding the promises of God, regarding eternal life. And all too often, it's based on something that happened 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago, I don't know. <laughs> and it's all based on a, a, a like walking the aisle or a praying a prayer. And um, I want to go beyond that thinking. Those things are nice that a person prayed a prayer or walked the aisle and made a decision. That's great. But that's not what you base your faith in in Christ. You got that? We don't do that. And the Bible never really gives us an example of basing this blessed assurance on praying a prayer or walking the aisle. Okay? It's always based on a life that's walking in the things of God. And your, your faith has been placed in the person of Jesus Christ. All right? And so, it's important that we don't get locked into a false assurance. Um, maybe some of you that have been alive for a long time uh, remember things like this. This was a statement written back in 1941. A Japanese attack on Hawaii is regarded as the most unlikely thing in the world with one chance in a million of being successful besides having more powerful defenses than any other post under the American flag, it is protected by distance. Hawaii. <laughs> well, you know the rest of the story. <laughs> there's, there's a here's a demonstration of having a false uh, assurance. Okay? And there's all sorts of other examples, Right? So I want us to get into the thinking of, of what really brings about blessed assurance. And this is a theme, this is something that we're going to come back to as we go through and finish this epistle, 1 John. It'll come up again. And again, it's something that is important that you and I understand is re repeated over and over again so that we'll get it. Remember when Pastor Brendan was up here and he gave that little picture of, you know, look at me, look at me, you know, you're not being rough with the little child. You're just saying, come on, look right here. And that's, that's the idea. That was a, a great illustration for us. And John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, here it is again. Here's what you need to know. Okay. And I want us to think along the lines of um, when a little baby is born, we love it. 
and the doctor, we don't have any question, you know, or any problem when the doctor or the nurse, nurse does a little spanking job or whatever to get the, get the crying going. Because now we know what? It's alive. There's, it's not just about, oh, I'm, I've got a child. No, the baby is alive. <laughs> and that's the idea in Christianity, Christian, is that you're not just basing it on, um, you know, something that you did. It's, it, there's life. There's life happening now. And I know, it might have been this morning, you get up and you come to church and you think, oh, you know, I, I've got so many things on my mind. And you kind of get drawn down into the doldrums. And you get bogged down with the weight of the world and the burdens that are going on. Those are real deals. I understand. I'm not up here to say, oh, come on, you wimp. Because... I'm a wimp too. I, you know, I got to put myself in the in the mix, you know. And we we need encouragement about life in Christ. <laughs> that it's not just some textbook thing. It's about life. And what is it that He has for you today and through this week? Okay. So. We're going to look at four keys of blessed assurance. Four keys that I believe John brings out loud and clear. Okay? Four keys for blessed assurance. And number one, we're not going to take a whole lot of time on this, but we've got to go back to last week and look at verse 18. From last week, he says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue or just your talk. Don't love just with talk, but love in word or I'm sorry, in deed and truth. Here's the action. This is what we're talking about. Here's life. And, and it's agape love that needs to be incarnated in your life and made flesh. We know that of the truth of the term and we talked about that last week. Agape love. It's sacrificial love. Sacrificing love. And that's the kind of love that he's talking about right here. Okay? So Christian, this is one of the things that just keeps coming back over. Repetitive uh, information for us. Love one another. Love as I have loved you. John 13, 34 and 35. And here in 1 John chapter 3. And in 1 John chapter 4. And on and on and on. The message of loving one another from an agape kind of love. And so number one is the first key about blessed assurance is that you love one another. You love the children of God. Remember back in verse 10 of chapter 3? He said, here's the, here's the children of God and the children of the devil. Here's how we know of these, of these two groups. Here's the children of God and here's the children of the devil. And we're to align, if you're saying I'm a Christian, you need to think through your life to align yourself more with being a child of God. Duh. <laughs> but all too often, we go back to thinking like it's just a matter of, well, I pray to prayer. I, I give at church. I, I, I show up at church. When it's far more than that, Christian... It's not just about doing a, a, you know, a routine every week. It's 
that you've bowed your heart and your life to the Lordship of Christ. That you're saying, He's my Lord. And I want Him to invade every corner of my life and every closet of my life. I want Him to open up that and take control. I want Him to be the Lord. Okay? So, it starts with number one. Love His children. So we already talked about that, so now we're going to jump to number two. And this one gets interesting, but I've called it love his grace. And here's what we're talking about. Look at verse 20 in chapter 3. We didn't read verse 19. Let's read, uh, follow along. Verse 19, I'm sorry. We shall know by this that we are of the truth. You follow that? We shall know by this. This is our assurance. We'll know by this. By what? By loving his children. Loving the brothers will know that, that we are of the truth and we shall assure our hearts before him. Now, this is important because he's now he's now um, injecting this thinking now about your heart, that you have confidence in your heart. And he equates that with your conscience. Okay, he's going to bring in this idea of your conscience. Look at verse 20 in whatever our heart condemns us. Oh, I mean, why, why is this brought up? Because we've been going along, you know, love one another, and here we go, and wait a minute, now he's throwing this in. It's like, is this a little bit of the wrench in the works kind of thing? What, what's going on? How come? He's saying, in whatever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now, some people just think because, okay, I, I prayed the prayer and, and you know, I, I, I was born in America too. And I, 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 I go to church every Sunday. <laughs> All those kind of thoughts that God's going to just do whatever I ask him to do. God's going to be on my side and God's my buddy. You know, all those kind of things. That's false thinking. We've got to look at what the Scripture is saying, what God's telling us in His Word that determines what's going to bring about. Here's here's the, the blessed assurance. Okay? And so we need to... This is point number two. Love His grace. And specifically, it's about His grace that just floods our lives as we keep looking to Him It's about what He has given that we don't deserve. Number one, our salvation. It's the gift of salvation, right? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, okay? If you're here this morning, we're glad that you're here. We want to point you to the answer of life. We want to point you to the the living God, Jesus Christ. Okay? He's the answer. He himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father, right relationship with God, but through me. So there's a very tolerant Jesus, huh? <laughs> no, he's, he's saying, wait a minute. It's all about me. Jesus is saying that. It's all about him. So for you to be right with God, you need to be connected to Jesus Christ. And the only way to do that is through faith in Him. You need to acknowledge who He is. 
and come to him recognizing that you are a sinner and that you need a savior to be made right with God and Jesus is the one, okay? So, this, getting back to this point of love his grace is that when you, Christian, back to you, talking to you, Christian, when you, Christian, when you stumble and fall in sin, that you get things made right. You make things right by confessing your sin to God and to others that you need to confess that to. And the reason that you can do that is is because of His grace. You can do that because of His grace. And so you do that. You, You confess to Him. You make things right with one another. And thus you keep loving His grace in your life. And that, listen, that's why he brings up this issue of is if, if your heart condemns you. You know why? Because of this. Here's your conscience. It's about, he's, he's bringing up this idea of your conscience. And often the heart and the conscience are used interchangeably, especially in the Old Testament. It's about your inner person, the real you. And he's pointing out, if your heart, your slash conscience, condemns you, what does he say? Look at it. He says, God is greater than our heart. What is he saying? Well, you have a, you have a, a conscience in you. It's just there. You didn't have to go buy it at Walmart. The con- your conscience is there. God put it there. And what is your conscience? Oh, now we get into some interesting stuff. Your conscience, let me say this first. Your conscience is not the voice of God. Many of you have kind of leaned to thinking that at least. Maybe you haven't believed it fully, but a lot of times you just think, oh, my conscience, that's that little voice inside of me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's voice. No, it's not. Your conscience is simply a warning system. You pilots, you got a warning system in your, in your plane? I hope so. And they don't um, drink a lot of Coke or have a lot of candy in those, in those cockpits, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to muck up the, the warning system. Okay, so guess what? Christian, your conscience gets messed up. Your conscience gets, it gets uh, to malfunctioning. And we are, it, it's up to you and I to say, we got to make things right. We got to, first of all, understand the function of a good conscience, and that is to determine right and wrong. That's the idea behind your conscience. It's a warning system, right and wrong. Then we have to understand how to feed it properly, how to train your conscience properly. And all too often, Christians or non-Christians, you're not dealing with your conscience in the right way. And thus your conscience is going into malfunction. 
your conscience gets all clouded up. Your conscience cannot... Your, your conscience... It, it, the Bible says your conscience can get seared like with, as with a hot iron. And what is that pointing us to? Desensitizing your conscience. Where you, you just get hardened to the things that are going on. Now, here's the thing. I had a friend post on Facebook. Um, it shows what age group I'm in. That he's asking, what do you remember that you don't see around any, any, anymore in life? And he talked about one telephone per household. Rotary kind. One telephone. One car. One, maybe, black and white TV with the little ear things, uh, you know, the wire things, the uh, rabbit ears. That was it. And, he, and, and then all sorts of friends jumped in on, on talking about, well, we, and we miss this. We miss baseball cards and bike spokes on the bike. All, all sorts of stuff. Okay? I think it got taken over by girls because they started talking about chatty Kathy dolls and all that jazz. Just got wasted there then. But anyway, here's another thing that came up in my mind as I thought about it. And that's this. Back in the day, when I was a boy, there's a much greater sensitivity to uh, issues of morality. That's, that's a pretty simple thing, right? And you look at what gets accepted as being on TV now, and back in the day... You know, when it was just about, you know, here's Captain Kangaroo. You know, what a difference now. And the things that are accepted now are like, you know, it, it, it's very questionable. And here, here's the, a generation of children growing up with this kind of stuff that gets hung on their conscience. And like it's in America today, and then we say, oh, well, I guess, uh, whatever. And, and so we end up not speaking forth like we ought to. And I realize that we're entering into, uh, you know, the kind of thing where, you know, well, it's their family, they need to take care of it. Well, and so moms and dads, helping you so that you can help your children or grandparents helping your, your children and your grandchildren to learn about this and to know this is a critical issue. It get, this thing of conscience, when it gets to malfunctioning, it's because you and I have allowed it to. And the idea, um, there's a quote here that I want to share with you from John MacArthur, who says, it's, it, um, the conscience judges our actions and thoughts by the light of the highest standard that we perceive. I want to say that again. There's a quote from John MacArthur. He says, it, the conscience judges our actions and thoughts by the light of the highest standard that we perceive. And that's important because if now your idea of what, what's the highest standard that you perceive, and if that's um, what you see on the internet or of what your neighbors are doing, that's not a very high standard. And you can even say, well, but I go to church. Or I do this, I read the Bible. But yet, if your standard 
is no is is like you know amongst people stuff people things that we deal with in life we we gauge things by each other's measure we're not going to have a very high standard so we've got to go to what the bible is the highest standard here it is the bible is here's the word of god so we need the word of god to train our conscience okay It's interesting, you know, even from back when Helen Keller was a a little girl. Her parents got to the point where they asked her teacher to start talking to her about God. They thought that Helen and the teacher were, you know, at a stage now where they, they could, you know, now go into that kind of subject. And so the teacher sat down with Helen Keller and, um, and worded to her however you know the sign language did it however they did that she said helen now i want to tell you about god the heavenly father who made us and this world of ours and her helen keller's response they say was she responded yes and she continued on saying, i've been thinking about i've been thinking a lot about him wishing you would tell me more What's that saying? That she had a conscience. And that conscience was pointing her in the right direction with right and wrong. And somehow she understood something. And my friend, if you'll go to Romans chapter 1, you'll see that God put a conscience there. But man in his what? Man in his sinful rebellion turned away and went after Worshipping the the creature rather than the creator. And then it says that God gave them up to lustful passions. Why? Because they fed that part of them of their lives. They fed that. Let me tell you this. Now we're coming into a day and age uh, where there's more intensity about homosexuals. Okay? And the line of thinking with homosexuals is, well, I was born this way. Haven't you, you've heard that? Yeah? You've heard that thinking? I was born this way. Well, they're right. They were born in a sinful condition. And we're not going to pick on homosexuals to the neglect of hip, hypocrites <laughs> or any other kind of sinners. But here's the thing homosexual people say, oh, this is the way I was born. And what they did was they continued allowing that to whatever, fester or grow more and more. And they allowed that to build. Just like a guy buried in pornography. At some point it happened and he allowed it more and more and more. And it, and now he's an addict to what? Pornography. And all too often in our world, they say, well, homosexuality, now it's a what? It's a civil rights issue. Wrong. It's not a civil rights issue. It's just that Christians aren't proclaiming the truth <laughs> like we should. We want to be able to proclaim that in a, yes, in a gentle way, in a firm way. Here it is. Here's the truth. Here's what God says. 
But now because of all the argument and the line of thinking, we back off because we don't want to be politically incorrect. So, what's the issue behind this whole idea of, of blessed assurance and how did I get off on this topic? Is <laughs> because as a pastor, I don't want to, I don't want to be de- dealing with a, um, a condemning heart myself and I don't want you, Christian, dealing with a condemning heart either. And that's the way the conscience works. You know, it's not the voice of Satan either. It's not the voice of God. It's just here's how your conscience has been trained. And you need to understand, in Christ, you've been what? You've been forgiven of your sins. And you need to keep pressing on to turn away from sinful behavior. That's what John is arguing right here. Is Here's the practice of righteousness in your life. Keep practicing that. But when you falter, when you stumble, when you sin, you confess it, and then you think, oh, but am I really... You have doubts? You struggle with doubts in this way? And here, here's where you know, the issue of a condemning heart starts growing more and more. Because we're trained in such a way that, well, i got to do right. i got to gain points with God again or something. So... It's important that we inform our conscience in the right way with the Word of God and love His grace. Because that's what gets, that's what covers it all. It's not about your performance or my performance. It's about His grace. Now, having said that, I come back following up with sin and your life as a Christian ought to show that you are walking in righteousness. Okay? So, we want to be careful that we don't have our conscience misinformed or silenced or desensitized. And all those things can happen. And Satan, the enemy of God, wants to silence your conscience. He would want you to misinform your conscience. And so that... You know, you can say, I know that he forgives me, but, 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 but I don't feel forgived. Okay? And so your conscience can play games there. So it's important that you train your conscience in the Word of God, understanding right from wrong. Okay? So this is the key reason here in this loving is grace. We've got to have the right input, the right deposit of the word of God in our lives so that your conscience will feed more on that to become, here's the highest standard to perceive right from wrong. And know, just know this, your conscience will, will, will go off towards relativism, you know, relativity. Oh, well, everyone's doing this. Young people, you hear that? <laughs> Oh, so-and-so does this. It's okay. No, let's go to the Word of God and judge things according to the Word of God, not according to what Billy Bob does down the street. (laughs) Okay? And we don't need to go any further, really, with this other than to just lead you into thinking. You know, there's so many other things in, in the American culture system that really do damage to the the conscience so you and i have to be on guard in that way 
and it causes Christians to just get paralyzed because y- your, your conscience is condemning you. And what does Romans 8 tell us? If you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. There's no condemnation. But your, your conscience keeps thinking, oh, but here's right and wrong. And you've got to determine not to be thinking like, okay, you know, I've got to go with that. No, you've got to go with, here's the word of God as my standard. Another, uh, another reminder in this is a study in Romans chapter 1 is critical. That you understand, here's what's happening. God said it a long time ago. And it, it's still true today. Here's the downward spiral of man and humanity when they reject God. All right. Let's go to number three on the back of your outline. Number three. We talk about, here's blessed assurance. Love the children of God. Number one. Number two, love His grace. And major on what His grace is all about. And that way it'll help you deal with the things that we just talked about regarding your conscience. Number three is love His commandments. Look at verse 22 in 1 John chapter 3. Verse 22, he says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Now that's talking about prayer. Very simply stated. Whatever we ask, we receive of Him. Why? He tells us why. Because, verse 22, we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. And, And... we need to come back to this idea of you love, number three, love His commandments. And you say, wait a minute, you're messing with me. I thought all we needed to do is know Jesus and, and accept Him as Savior and we're done, we're good to go. But all throughout the Bible, it's telling us about His commandments. Okay? And the, the Ten Commandments are given to show us, number one, the character of God, and number two, to show that you and I cannot keep the commandments. We can't keep them. We, can, we should try, but we can't keep them. But Jesus did. Jesus kept the commandments, and thus, He's my Savior. I receive His righteousness when I believe on Him. Okay? And so... The Christian life. If if we're to say, here's a little uh, a little test uh, or one fill in the blank statement. Christian life is about blank. <laughs> we would not be thinking about commandments, would we? Christian life is about Jesus. Yes, it's all about Jesus, and that He controls your life more and more than you ever knew in the past. Right? Christian life is about trusting God. Yes. You trust Him with all the things that we can't see necessarily or we don't know. uh, How come this happened? We just, we trust Him. That's what the Christian life is about. Christian life is about loving the Lord. We sang about this morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Again, we can rattle that off, but what does that look like in life? But what if I were to say love? Uh, if, if I were to say the Christian life is about obedience, 
say, wow, I, I don't know if I like that idea. Turn to John 14. John 14 in your Bible. Turn there. John 14, verse 21. John 14, verse 21. And Dale White has like a resonating voice. I'm going to ask him to stand and read it loud and clear. John 14, verse 21. Thank you. So, you say you love the Lord. I say I love the Lord. And so, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so, here in this passage in John, John was with Jesus, you know, as one of the disciples. He was the the beloved disciple. And he leaned on Jesus' breast. And there's a lot of, you know, language about love there. But it boils down to, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so we need to learn the commandments. That's why I listed Psalm 119 also there. And I want you to write down verse 47 and 48, especially. Where the psalmist says, I delight in your commandments, which I love. You know, he says, like he emphasizes it. He first says, I delight in your commandments, which I love. And that ought to be true of every Christian. Why? To show that you're a good, uh, uh, obedient little girl or boy? No, it's just to show that you, you understand the commandments are given to guide you and guard you. What do you parents, what are you going to do with your children? When they, as they grow up, you're going to guide them and guard them from things. Honey, don't go out in that street. Don't you dare go out there because you're going to get hurt. Right. So, why? Because you love them. Very simple. Another verse from Psalm 119 is verse 127. You can mark that down. Verse 127. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, fine gold. That's a good one for us in this materialistic age, isn't it? You love God's commandments more than you love the riches of this world? What what are we thinking about in life? What are you thinking about? And I want to challenge you in this. I want to challenge myself. What is it that I spend my off time thinking about and dwelling on? There is a good determining factor of where your heart really is. Okay? So, along with loving His commandments... There's another fill in the blank in your outline and love prayer because that's what he started with. He says there back to first John chapter three, where he says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Prayer and loving his commandments, love and prayer. They're together. Okay. let me quickly just mention this about verse twenty two. He's saying, because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Again, parents, you see that 
differential there. They're not just, your children are not just following your very order, right? They're going beyond that to do what is pleasing in your sight. They know your heart and they know that you really like a really clean kitchen or whatever. And you didn't tell them to clean the kitchen, but they know because this will please mom and dad, I'm going to go clean the kitchen. There's the difference. They don't just do what they're told, but they go beyond because they know what pleases you. And that's the idea with God. That we go, here's his commands, and I just want to go beyond that and please him. Okay? Well, number four, key number four to blessed assurance is love abiding in his spirit. Love abiding in his spirit. That's what he says in verse 24. And the one who keeps my uh, keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And we know this, that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. It's very simple. It's very plain. There it is. That for blessed assurance, we love the idea of the spirit abiding in us and us abiding in him. There's an old hymn called, I am his and he is mine. You remember that one? Yeah? No? <laughs> I am his and he is mine. Okay? And so that's the idea that we have in this last point, in this last key. I made up a new word. In point number three, we could have talked more about obedience. Obedience. Well, in point number four here, it's the idea of abidience. Okay? Abidience. Obedience, abidience. I worked hard on that one. Abidience is so that you and I will remember to what? Abide in Him. Abidience. Just like we want to obedience Him, obey Him. All right? Now, let that statement sink into your thinking. We know this, that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. John 14, verse 23. I'm going to read these quickly. They're listed in your outline. Um, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. There's grace coming through again. We don't deserve this, but wow, that he would come and make his home in us. He wants to dwell in us. The Spirit of God would dwell in your life, in your heart. And there's blessed assurance because you know. And by the way, my friend, if you are trying to go on mere feeling, just the idea that I feel good when I sing these songs, that's not a good gauge. That's not a good gauge. That's nice. That's like icing on the top of the cake. But the better gauge is to go by what the context of Ephesians 5 tells you. Don't be drunk with wine, but be controlled with the Spirit of God. Or controlled in the Spirit of God. And that you would have a lifestyle that would show itself in praising God. That's what that context goes on to. Because we are saying we want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Thus, praise God thanksgiving, which is in the context of Ephesians 5, would come forth in our lives. There's an evidence of spirit-filled living. Not just 
nice feelings. Okay, the feelings, you know, we understand God-given feelings, emotional people. Yes, we are. But it goes to, here's the objective truth in His Word. Look at the context of Ephesians 5 when it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with His Spirit. And then these other verses in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians refer to the, the Spirit has been given as a pledge. I have to leave immediately following the service here today because I've got to drive up to North Tahoe and do a wedding. And yeah, it's an exciting thing. And you know what happens at a wedding. It's no longer just the engagement ring. Now it's the real deal ring. But until this time, young Peter has pledged his love with an engagement ring to young Amanda. And they're in love. And now the marriage comes together this afternoon. Christian, you have an engagement ring from God. He loves you very much. And He has pledged the inheritance to you with His seal with his guarantee or his deposit and he wants us to hold ourselves only for him and as you do that you will have more and more here's blessed assurance in your life okay you see the world thinks we're crazy because of that (laughs) but that's what the bible teaches we've been given a pledge We've been given an earnest by God. And those are mentioned there in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay? So, how do I know I have blessed assurance? Do you go on your experience? Or do you go on the truth of His Word? You go on the truth of His Word. It goes beyond the feelings into, here's here's the truth. And I want to see this worked out in my life. There you will have blessed assurance as you go along throughout life. Some of you know, you, you, you recognize the name, Carl Rogers, yeah? Carl Rogers, a famous uh, uh, proponent and one of the founders of, here's the big psychological uh, arm of life in America now, Carl Rogers. At 22 years old, Carl Rogers entered Union Theological Seminary in New York, 1924. But while there, he participated in a seminar organized to explore religious doubting. Rogers later said of the group, the majority of members, in thinking their way through questions they had raised, thought themselves right out of religious work. You follow that? They thought themselves right out of religious work. And I mention this as an illustration so that we will understand, listen, Christian, we can think ourselves right out of the, the activity of Christian living. We want to be people that are active in serving the Lord. 
I hope that that happens in your life throughout the week. I hope that happens here on a Sunday morning. When you see someone that's new, you welcome them. You go out of your way. You do your best to help them feel more plugged in. But it's not just that. It goes beyond that to here's this afternoon. Here's tomorrow night. Here's through the week. How am I going to go beyond just being a... I got all the right thoughts down, but how now am I going to live my life? And that's what John is trying to bring about in his letter so that you and I will not only know the right things and have that blessed assurance, but then here's a lifestyle that backs it up and it's according to his word. Let's stand for closing prayer. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. Where can I go from thy spirit? Where can I flee from thy presence? Oh God, you have formed my inward parts. You weaved me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. And when I awake, I am still with thee. O Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you, O God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the the truths, the, the keys here that help us to understand really more deeply about blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed.